So for the next several weeks, we're going to be we're going to be just um, just kind of unearthing some lessons right out of the book of Galatians. So I want to encourage you, you know, um, I don't know about you, but, you know, for years, I, I didn't know nothing about the Bible. You know, when I heard about the epistles, I thought that was the wife of an apostle, you know, and, uh, you, you know, I just didn't know. But, man, the more that you learn the Bible, the stronger your faith will be the more solid you'll be in life and able to overcome the hurdles and the and the problems that you go through. Amen? And so I want to encourage you, if you've never really done this, to just read through the book of Galatians. It won't take you very long, the six chapters. It won't take you very long to get through it. But just read it over and over again and just do it while we're in the series. Just keep reading it over and over. And just let, by the end of the series, if you might not know a lot about the rest of the Bible, but you're going to know some chapters and some verses right there in Galatians. Amen? And I promise you, you, you'll find a verse in that book of the Bible that'll just encourage your heart. Amen? And so um, as we focus on the book of Galatians, I want to just kind of do an introduction to the book of Galatians. And the author of the book of Galatians is the Apostle Paul. And uh, we see that in the opening verse of Galatians 1. Uh, in, in verse 1, it says, this letter is from Paul, an apostle. Now, notice it says that Paul was an apostle. Paul, an apostle, is an overseer. Paul was the missionary. He was the one that went and evangelized these new areas of the of the world that had never been evangelized before. And he, and he won people to Christ. And he, he set elders in those churches. He was a church planner. He was an apostle. He was a, an overseer of many churches. He was a mighty man of God. Amen? And so he says, an apostle, I was not appointed by any group of people. Nobody gave him the credentials. He earned the credentials, right? I wasn't appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. So we very clear here that Paul, on his first missionary trip in that northern region of what is now called modern-day Turkey, Paul evangelized that, that area, and he planted a church there in Galatia. And now he's writing a letter back to them. He went there, he won people to Christ, he set a church there, he left, and now he's sending a letter back to them, and he's, he's wanting to encourage them and strengthen them. And Paul's purpose for writing this letter was to address false teaching that had crept into the church. How many of you know there's a, a an antichrist and there's false Christ, there's false prophets, and there are they are false doctrines. Amen. And so uh, Galatians one and six, he says, "I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel." which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, the false teaching, obviously, when Paul left, somebody came behind him and they said, oh, don't listen to what Paul said. We have a deeper truth. We have something that you need to know. And they began to teach them something that was different from the gospel that they heard whenever they became Christians. So the false teaching that Paul was addressing here in Galatians, which Paul called a different gospel, was coming from the Judaizers. Now, the Judaizers, you know, those guys were, um, 
They were actually Christians, but they were Jewish legalists. And so they professed Jesus, but they were still holding on to Jewish Mosaic law. Remember, before Jesus, the only way that you served God was just to, to follow the Jewish law. And so they had a combination here. The Judaizers falsely taught that to be a Christian, if you wanted to be a Christian, you had to receive the grace and forgiveness of God. But number two, you had to, you had to conform, continue to conform to the Mosaic law. And most importantly, what they taught was you had to be circumcised. Now, you know, they taught at eight days of age, you know, the, the children or the males were circumcised. Imagine if all of a sudden the doctrine changed in family life. And I said, okay, if you're not Jew, you got to be circumcised. I mean, you know, that would be not a good thing. And all the men said, amen. But if you read Acts chapter 15, you could see this problem being addressed there when Paul was on that missionary journey. But the false doctrine the Judaizers were teaching caused a great dissension and confusion within the church in Galatia. And, and it was weakening the faith. These new Christians, Paul, had won to Christ. How many of you know the enemy is very sneaky and he will try to mess you up? You know, whenever I got saved, I mean, I was a heathen, man. I was on drugs. I was, there's no doubt that I wasn't a Christian. I mean, Ray Charles could see that I wasn't a Christian, right? And then I get saved and then I start getting attacked by so-called Christians and saying, did you get baptized in this way? Did you do this? Did you do that? And all of a sudden, I didn't know which way to turn. I was like, wait a minute. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Y'all ever had that experience? And so this false teaching was threatening the spiritual freedom of the Galatian church. The new Christians in Galatia had received the gospel through faith. They, they found out that Jesus died, shed his blood, so your sins could be forgiven and you could be a child of God. They received that and they received the spiritual liberation of religious bondage and legalism. And now they serve in the living God. And then right behind comes these false teachings. And it just messes everything up. So now these Judaizers, through their false religious teachings, were trying to bring the Galatians back under the religious bondage that they had got set free from. And so Galatians, when you read the, the letter of Galatians, you need to know this letter to the Galatian church was a letter of correction. It was correcting the body. How many of you know sometimes we just need to be corrected? That's about three of you. Let, let me try to get more participate. How many of you know sometimes we just need to be corrected, amen, spiritually? And so Paul doesn't waste any time here in six verses. Verse six, he dives right into this letter and he says to him in verse six, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. See, the problem was the Galatians were deserting the true unadulterated, pure gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul is trying to help the Christians in Galatia. He has a burden for them and he wants them to stay strong and he wants them to continue to live in the liberty and the freedom. And so the entire book of Galatians really is the apostle Paul trying to straighten out, trying to help out, trying to correct this New Testament church so that they could maintain their freedom and their liberty in Christ. Amen. I uh, I have experienced great liberty since I've been saved. What about you? 
How many of you are glad for that liberty? Amen. And I listen, I, there's no value that I would put on it. You could offer me a million dollars to, to walk away from Christianity. I would say, well, you just keep your dollar bills and I'll keep my freedom. Amen. Come on. Can I get a witness here this morning? So now, what is this first solution? Paul gives the Galatian church. The key to spiritual freedom is found here in Galatians chapter 1. Spiritual freedom is found in embracing the gospel of grace. How many of you know it's by grace? Come on, how many of you know it's grace? Amen? And so let's read Galatians 1 one more time with emphasis on grace. Galatians 1.6, I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. So Paul talks about two gospels, the true gospel and a different gospel. What is the true gospel that keeps us spiritually free? The true gospel is the message of the amazing grace of God. To live spiritually free requires the grace of Christ. Amen? Listen, if we could do it on our own, Christ wouldn't have had to die. Amen? And so listen, you know, listen, we could try to walk in freedom and liberty on our own. And we could try to do a lot of religious, legalistic, you know, things, but nothing is going to set us free. But the spirit of liberty that comes through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so what is grace? What is grace? There are many facets to grace. You could answer this in many ways. But one definition of grace is this. God's love in action. That's grace. Another definition is grace is the face God wears when he looks at my failures and he responds in a favorable way. How many of you, how many of you glad for grace? Amen. And so one of my favorites is God giving me what I need, not what I deserve. Come on. How many of you know that's good right there, right? So we need to understand the difference between grace and mercy. Here's mercy. Mercy is when God doesn't give us what we do deserve, which is punishment, which is judgment, right? Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve, his favor and his blessing. Grace is, I didn't earn it, but he gave it to me. Come on, how many of you feel like God's done that to you? You didn't, you didn't earn it, but he gave it to you. Maybe you're not convinced of that. The Bible says if we've sinned, you fall short of the glory of God, which means you cut yourself off of the blessing of God. How many of you ever sinned? Listen, the reason you can experience the presence of God today, my friends, is the grace of God. Amen? Come on, how many of you? The grace of God is the reason why we can enjoy the presence of God. It's not because we're all saints and we're all these super mighty men and women of God. God is full of grace and mercy. Amen? And that's why we can serve Him today. Amen? So God's amazing grace. I truly believe this, that God's grace, once you understand it and you begin living in it, truly is the most liberating thing in the world. Amen? And so today I want to use the word grace as an acrostic to just unpack for you some some aspects of that liberating grace of God. And the first one is this. The letter G in grace stands for gift. Grace is God's gift to me. How many of you know that? Romans 3.24 says, and all need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift. Grace is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. There's nothing you could do. It's a gift of God. Amen. And so if you went into the streets and you asked a hundred people, 
you know, you ask them this question, how do you get favor with God? How do you get to heaven? They would tell you, well, you just, uh, you know, you would hear things like, you have to be a good person. You have to treat people right. That's how you get there. I mean, and so what they're really saying is you got to earn it. You got to work for it. You got to, you got to perform for it. But that's the way you and I are. We give love whenever people deserve it. People earn it. But how many of you know God is not like us and thank God for that, right? And so all the religion of the world, most people believe that the grace of God is really earned, right? Most, uh, most religions, all the religions really, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, can be summarized in one word, do, do. All religions require you to do something. They say you got to do something for God's favor. Follow these list of rules, these regulations, these rituals, and you'll get God's favor. Christianity can be summarized in one word, and it's this, done, done. It's already been done for you to receive God's favor. It was done on the cross by Jesus Christ. Amen? And so listen, he paid for our salvation. He paid for our sins. He paid for God's favor and blessing to be upon my life. Listen, if God's favor is on my life, I promise you, it's not because of me. It's because of he's a God of grace and mercy. Come on, are you with me? If there's any favor of God, if there's any blessing of God on my life, I can't take an ounce of credit for it. I need to deflect it back to God. Thank you, God, for your grace that saved a wretch like me. Come on, how many of you with me out there? John 19.10 says, it is finished. Come on, the plan to provide grace for everyone who needs it is finished. Amen. Come on, there isn't anything you could do to earn God's favor and salvation. You have to accept it as a gift of God. Amen. And so the, the G in grace is gift. It's a gift of God. The R in grace stands for receive. Grace has to be received by faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now notice it says that grace is received through faith. Faith is the key that really unlocks the door to God's favor and God's blessing. Faith is the key that unlocks your door to heaven. Amen? Listen, again. Why would God let me go to heaven? Because I've been such a good boy? <laughs> no. Ask Tanya. Ask my in-laws. They'll tell you. Right? <laughs> right? No, I can't get to heaven because I'm such a saint. Amen. I'm going to get to heaven because of God's grace that I receive through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so you, how do you receive grace? Just through faith. How much do you pay for a gift when someone wants to give you a gift? How much do you pay for it? Nothing, right? Because if you pay for it, it's no longer a gift. It's a purchase. And so grace has to be received. The only way to enjoy the blessing of a gift is just you got you to gotta receive it. You see, God says, listen, I have a gift for you. It's grace. Will you receive it? You got to receive it. And so Romans 4.16 says, therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. God's favor and blessing and salvation is based upon God's promise. God said, I'm going to give you grace. It's, it's not based on my goodness. Amen. 
God's favor, blessing, and salvation is based on God's grace that are received through faith. How, how do you receive the gift of grace? It's through faith. The false gospel of religion says you have to earn God's approval through your righteous deeds. You see, and that's what was happening. The true gospel says you receive God's approval through faith. Grace is a gift. It simply needs to be received by faith. Religion says you got to do something. See, and that's what the Judaizers are saying. Okay, good. You asked Jesus to forgive you. Okay, but now you need to be circumcised. And of course, you could, you would understand how that would cause great dissension. So now they had found this liberty and freedom in the Lord. And now this false doctrine is causing them. Listen, religion is of the devil and religion will come in any forms and fashions and will try to rob you of your spiritual freedom. Listen, I've been a child of God for 30 plus years and I've experienced people that are supposed to be higher spiritually than a man in the moon and they look down at me and say, you're not spiritual enough. Will you just walk in legalism and I'll walk in the grace of God and I'll enjoy the freedom of God. You do what you gotta do and let me do what I gotta do and to God be the glory and honor, amen. Come on, can I get a better amen? Amen, all right. Okay, pardon me, I just had a little rant there. Amen. The prodigal son is a great story of someone receiving grace, right? I mean, this guy, his father was wealthy. He's, he demanded his inheritance. He squandered it. He ended up in the pig's pen. He, he spent all his money on wine, women, and song. Ended up in the pig's pen. And the Bible says he came to his senses one day. He said, what am I doing? I could be in my father's house. And he went back home. And the Bible says, on his way home, the father didn't say, where you been? Where's all that money I gave you? What did you spend it on? No, the Bible just says, he, he didn't give him what he deserved. He gave him what he didn't deserve. He ran up to him, wrapped his arms around him, and said, my son, my son, you're back. Come on, how many of you know that's the father heart of God? That's the father heart of God. So grace is a gift that we got to receive. You know what that tells me is that, listen, sometimes, you know, we, we lock ourselves out of the grace of God with our own guilt and condemnation and, and name it. Come on. Well, can you just receive it today? God is a God of mercy. He's a God of grace who gives us what we don't deserve. He forgives me over and over again. Amen. And so the A in grace stands for um, available. God's grace is not just for salvation when we die. God's grace is for each and every day. Amen? Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. God's grace is available to us each and every day. You know, I heard a message that was uh, preached by a pastor, you know, a few years back called the pace of grace. How many of you know God wants us to live in grace? He wants us to walk in grace. He wants us to eat and breathe in grace. Amen. God has made available to us grace each and every day of our life. Amen. 
Remember the Apostle Paul when he was going through a very difficult time in his life and uh, he said, I got this this thorn in my flesh. Remember that in 2 Corinthians 12 and 8? And this is what Paul said. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I shall rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know what Paul's saying? He said, he, Paul said, my, God told me my grace is sufficient. Can I, can I just say, God told me his grace is sufficient for you. That's what, he, that's what Paul was saying. That's what he's telling you, I, you and I. He's saying to us, hey, God told me to tell you. My grace is sufficient. You might have needed an encouraging word today. Here it is. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace will get you through what you're going through. Amen? Come on. You have what you need to get through what you're going through right now in Jesus' name. Amen? What exactly is God's grace? Well, I believe it's God's power in our life. God tells Paul, my grace is sufficient, which means I will give you adequate, adequate amount of protection, power, and strength so that you can make it through your problems, your difficulties, and your hardships in life. Amen? And so how many of you ever been through a time where you're like, I don't know if I will ever make it through this? How many of you ever felt that way? How many of you ever been there? You know, I'm looking right here at Mike and Kathleen. I know their story. I know what they've been through. I know some of the battles they've had. But, you know, here they are in church, worshiping the living God. They're still standing. God's grace was sufficient for them and helped them to get through it. Amen? Come on. How many of you know God's going to get you through what you're going through? I'm trying to encourage you today. Come on. The God that you serve is going to give you what you need to make it through this life. Amen? Of hardships, trials, and difficulties. What exactly is God's grace? It's having the power of Christ resting on your life each and every day. How many of you need God's grace right now? Like right now, what you're going through in life, you say, man, I need God's grace. Can I see your hand? I mean, look, look around. Some of you need God's grace. You don't just realize you need God's grace. But if I asked your spouse, they would say, yeah, he needs his... <laughs> How many of you know we all need God's grace, right? And I just want to remind you today, liberty, freedom comes through God's grace. It's living in God's grace. The sad thing is that even though we know God's grace is available, many times we get we try to get through our problems and our circumstances on our own. We try to do it on our own. We rely on people. We rely on things. We rely on natural means. When God is there just saying, I'd like to help you. I'd like to help you get through what you're going through. Amen? And I think God is just waiting and saying, listen, won't you just open up your heart? Never forget this. To live a life of freedom, emotionally, physically, mentally, you have to live in the grace of God. Amen? The C in grace stands for Christ. How do, how do you get grace? John 1.17 says, The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Listen, grace is free, right? No doubt about that. But it's not cheap. Jesus had to die for grace to be available. Jesus had to 
give up his life. It cost Jesus his life to make grace available to us. You see, when you understand this, when you understand what Christ did for you, you know, imagine, imagine if I followed you around, Brother Francis, and I saw every time I saw that you had a need, I would help you out. Physically, financially, whatever. I just, I mean, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? And God says, that's the deal I'm going to make with you. As, as my child, I'm going to follow you around. And every time you go through something, every time you deal with something, every time there's a problem too great for you to solve, I'm going to be there with you. And I'm going to reach out my hand. And I'm going to help you to get through what you're going through. That's the promise I make to you. My grace will be with you. And it is sufficient for you. Grace comes through Christ. Thank God for Christ. Amen. When you realize what Christ has done for us, my Lord, how can you not praise God? How can you not worship God? How can you not give him glory and honor for the things that he has done? Amen. Come on. Can I get a good praise break right now? Come on. Can I just get a good praise? Come on. Let's give him praise. Let's give him glory. Let's give him honor today. Jesus name. Jesus' name. Grace comes through Christ. Another acrostic for grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. What is grace? It's God's love in action. What is grace? It's the face God wears when he looks at my failures. And he responds in a favorable way. Grace is God giving me what I need, not what I deserve. Thank God for grace. Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve, which is his favor and blessing. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Any new creations in here? You know, I I, I saw this or, or read it or, you know, about, you know, if any man is in Christ, say this card represented my life and this Bible represented Christ. And this card has on it the, the, the problems. Like if this card represents my life, it represents sin, represents failure. It, it represents the evil deeds, the evil actions that I've done, the things that I've even thought about that were not very godly. Are y'all with me? I mean, if this card represents my life, it shouldn't be white. It should be smeared. Amen. And so, but the great blessing of grace is that if any man be in Christ, old things pass away and behold, all things become new. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me? So all my sins, all my failures, they're in Christ, praise the Lord. Amen. It's covered. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Listen, the reason I can worship God and I can give him praise and glory, it's only because of the matchless grace, the amazing grace of God. Amen. Amen. How many of you glad for the grace of God this morning? Amen. Romans 5.15 says, There is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, 
brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Have you ever felt like, God, why do you keep forgiving me? Why do you keep giving me another? I mean, am I the only heathen in this place? Like, I mean, I've been working on this Christianity all these years, and I still can be a knothead. And you forgive me. I ask you to forgive me, and you forgive me. Come on, how many of you, how many of you just like, oh my God. God, you are so merciful. You are so gracious to me. And I am most grateful for your graciousness towards Todd Menard. How about you? Amen. Now, come on, let's wrap it up. The final, the E in grace stands for eternal. God has an eternal grace, or rather grace has an eternal impact. How many of you know that? See, God's grace is not just for our today, it's for our eternity. Amen. God wants us all to live in grace, not just in this life, but the life to come. Would you do me a favor and stand with me this morning? Have you ever thought about what's going to happen when you die? When you breathe your last on this earth, have you ever thought about that? You know, one of the privileges, if you can call it that, as, as a pastor, is I, I, we go to a lot of wakes. I've done a lot of funerals. did one yesterday. The Bible says it's better to go to a funeral than a party. Why? Because it makes you, makes you think about it. I mean, everything will be going good, and it doesn't mean you're going to be here tomorrow. You know, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to die today. I think about it. Every time I step in this pulpit, there's been pastors that have died in the pulpit. Just because I'm in the pulpit doesn't mean I'm, oh, I'm, I could, it could be it right now. You know, the Bible says, Hebrews 9.27, is appointed just as a man is destined to die once. After that, to face judgment. We're all going to die. And we're going to have to meet our maker. We're going to have to face the judge, the righteous judge. Right? Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, grace has an eternal impact. See, the Judaizer says you need to be circumcised to get to heaven. Paul said, no. You can't do anything to get to heaven. It's already been done. You're too late. Jesus did it all on Calvary. You've got to receive it. See, you can't, you can't depend on, well, I'm a pretty nice person. I'm nice to people. I help people. I mean, if somebody's on the side of the road, I'll stop and help them. And I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm, I'm a nice. I mean, when you look at some people around, I mean, even people in church, I'm a pretty good person. That's not going to get it. You got to count on the grace of God, not obeying the law. We all need grace for eternal life. Would you do me a favor? Just bow your head with me for just a Grace allows you to receive the gift of eternal life and spend eternity in heaven. But there's only one catch. You have to accept it. If you get a gift, but you don't unwrap it, you don't use it, it's no, it, it's, it's worthless. 
Salvation is a free gift by God's grace. He died on the cross to cover our sins. But you have to accept it. You have to receive it through faith. The Bible says in Isaiah 30, 18, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. One day I was in a church service like this and I heard about the gospel. I believed in God. I went to church. I prayed. But I had never asked Jesus to forgive my sins. I'd never owned up to my sins. Then that fateful day when I realized that grace was available and all I had to do was just open up my heart and receive it by faith. Ask Him to forgive me. My life changed that day. I don't know where you are today, but maybe today's the day that you need to quit counting on your righteousness, your godliness, your good deeds, and rely on the grace of God. With your heads bowed, if that's you today, you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I'm ready to surrender my life to Christ. Just raise your hand. Just lift your hand. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Just listen. Just raise it and just hold it up high so I can see it right back here. I see your hand right over here. I see your hand. Just lift it up. Just hold it up and say, that's me. Todd, pray for me. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. This is between you and God. Those of you that have your hands raised, we're all going to pray together as a family. Just say this, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood so my sins could be forgiven. Lord Jesus, I need forgiveness. I know I've missed the mark. I know I've sinned against you. Lord, I want to go to heaven and I can't count on my righteousness. I need your grace. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you wash me? And would you cleanse me today and grant me eternal life? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for accepting me today into your family. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. God bless all of you that lifted your hands this morning. There's a card in the pew that said, I made a decision. If you want to take the time to just fill that out, bring it to the info desk. We have a gift for you. Just uh, want to help you get some, give you some tools to get started. How many of you glad you're under grace? You're living in grace. You're a child of grace. Come on, how many of you glad? The liberating power of the gospel is on your life. Let me pray the favor of God. Lord, I pray the favor and blessing of the Lord on each person here. God, may we walk in grace. May we live in grace. May we abide in grace. Thank you, Lord, for watching over us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, come up this way. If not, be blessed as you go.